What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. America is standing on the edge of a new populism. And in fact, that's the title of my op-ed today over at HartmanReport.com, that populism was the big winner. Terry McAuliffe was, you know, the former governor of Virginia. He ran on basically saying, hey, I used to be the governor here. I did nice things. He was Bill Clinton's best buddy. He was the head of the Democratic National Committee, the DNC. And he was not a populist. He did not run as a populist. He never has been a populist. He was always essentially a neoliberal Democrat. And I'm telling you, the neoliberal Democrats are dying out. And America is embracing populism. And the big question right now, I guarantee you, you know, Trump was populist. And what you saw with Trump was, you know, basically pure populism. Some of it, I mean, you know, in many ways, Trump ran as a progressive populist. He said he was going to raise taxes on rich people. He was going to bring our jobs back home. All this kind of, you know, this stuff, these were hot button issues. These actually helped get him elected, even though he was lying through his teeth. And, and you know, you saw the same thing with Glenn Youngkin. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what the people want. We're going to respond to the grassroots. It's all, you know, all politics is local. He, he, you know, one of his big campaign issues was he was going to end the tax on groceries in Virginia. The Washington Post, Glenn, Glenn Abernathy this morning in the Washington Post writes, quote, the fact that parental rights in education became a central campaign issue shows that populism is still a potent element in U.S. politics. And in the Republican Party, even with Trump out of the White House, populism, not conservatism, remains the GOP's principal identity. Well, there you go. There's the problem. Back in 1932, the United States and Germany both faced populist moments as the Great Depression was ravaging both countries. Both countries elected populist candidates. We got Franklin Roosevelt in 1933. Germany got Hitler, Adolf Hitler in 1933. Both populists. But there is a significant difference, as that election demonstrated, between progressive populism as Franklin Roosevelt and Teddy Roosevelt, the, the, the Republican before him, and, and uh, Lyndon Johnson, the Democrat after him, as they campaigned and governed on, and fascist populism, which is what Mussolini and Hitler and Franco and, you know, in, in modern times, 
Orban and Duda and Bolsonaro, they're all running in fascist populism. But populism, you know, populism can cut two ways. And frankly, the, I think that the, the election, it was just this pr simple repudiation, not so much of Terry Bakalov, but of any Democratic candidate who's just another neoliberal, who's just running as, you know, Bill Clinton uh, reincarnated. Because you look back at the Clinton presidency and, you know, what it, what it got done. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of good stuff around the edges, and it was certainly better to have a Democrat in there than a, than a Republican. But Bill Clinton's big signature events were ending welfare as we know it and bringing an end to the era of big government, remember? And free trade, signing NAFTA. And, and beginning the process of shipping 60,000 American factories, about 10 million American jobs overseas. And, you know, arguably Bill Clinton had a no, you know, basically had no, no choice but to do what he did. Um, to jump into bed with these big corporations because Reagan had destroyed the labor union base that allowed him to be a progressive. That would have allowed him to be a progressive. And then you got the Supreme Court in there with the Citizens United, which happened during the Obama presidency. Of course, the, the precursors to it happened in 76 and 78, Buckley and Bellotti, which, you know, propelled Ronald Reagan into the White House. But you've got the Supreme Court changing the rules of the game so that the game of politics in America right now wildly favors neoliberal in the pocket of big money candidates and disfavors progressive populist or any kind of populist candidates. Now, where populist candidates can win and do win, by the way, and it's why the Progressive Caucus is now one of the most powerful caucuses in Congress, is because of the Internet. And this was what you know, President Obama proved for us in 2008 when he ran for president on small donations from all over the country and got the White House. Hey, we can do this. But it it works to the benefit of both progressive populists and fascist populists. And I, you know, I think, frankly, what we're looking at is the death of neoliberalism, the death of the old order, and a new order trying to be birthed out of it. And the Republican Party has now gone all in on populism, which is, you know, Pretty extraordinary when you think about it, but I mean, you know, just for example, uh, just, a, just a couple of weeks ago, or just actually it was just last week in the New York Times, Josh Hawley, the, the guy who wants to be the first fascist, full fascist president of the United States, published a piece in the New York Times openly repudiating neoliberalism, openly repudiating free trade. He wrote, and I quote, now we must change course. We can rebuild what made this nation great in the first place by making things in America again. This is a Republican. They are getting ahead of the Democratic Party in repudiating their own neoliberalism, which Ronald Reagan started, but which Bill Clinton followed up on. And so the Republicans are now ahead of the curve. They're saying, no, screw that neoliberalism crap. We want to bring our jobs back. We want local control. And, the, and, you know, half of the Democratic Party is like, yeah, we're there. We've been saying this all along. You know, Bernie Sanders and Sherrod Brown have been ragging on, on free trade for 20 years. But now it's, now it's Josh Hawley. 
And he will ride that to the White House. You mark my words. Ross Perot got 20% of the vote on this 40 years ago. And, and I think, you know, frankly, or 30 years ago, 1992. And I think, frankly, it, you know, it, this exact same thing could happen all over again. Only this time it could be a, a Republican populist. I mean, the, the neoliberalism, we just have to ignore, and, and for those people who say, oh, it was just all American racism. Yeah, okay, I don't disagree that race played a huge role, but if it was purely racism, how is it that the Republicans ended up with a black lieutenant governor and a Latino or Hispanic uh, attorney general? Both Republicans, but both populists. Neoliberalism is a wounded and dying animal. America is returning to populism. It's returning to LBJ, FDR, Teddy Roosevelt populism. Whether our politicians and our political class and our newspapers and media like it or not, that's what's happened. We are rejecting 40 years of neoliberal policy by both Democrats and Republicans. And the Republican Party has already rejected neoliberalism. And the Democratic Party is like huffing and puffing to catch up. And they damn well better do it soon. Because if they don't, I mean, we're going to get populism one way or the other in the 2024 election and probably in the 2022 election. You can count on that. It's what you just saw in Virginia. And if the Democratic Party doesn't wake the hell up to this and stop putting up old school neoliberal candidates like Terry McAuliffe and start promoting actual progressive populist candidates, people like, you know, Pramila Jayapal and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders and Sherrod Brown and Elizabeth Warren and Ilhan Omar. I mean, if, if the Democratic Party doesn't start actually promoting its progressive populists and the progressive populist cause, they're going to lose more elections. And that, that's a very dangerous thing at this moment in time. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And to get there, by the way, they've got to prove that they can actually get stuff done. And, and in that regard, the neoliberals, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, are not helping any. Lynn in John Day, Oregon. Hey, Lynn, what's on your mind today? Well, I was... Um trying to understand or if you have any ideas like Biden is not Biden has the bully pulpit but he's not using it he's not out there every day bashing Republicans for obstructing yeah so I mean it's like so this that's, why not? that's the essence of your concern is that is that Biden needs to get out there and start you know banging people upside the head I you know I can't yeah. disagree with that <laughs> but um, I mean, you know, I, I run a former Republicans group, mm -hmm. and the biggest, you know, and they're like, he's got the bully pulpit, but he's not using it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I get the it. Democrats. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, this yeah. is what Donald Trump did. This is what populists do. It's what Mussolini did. It's what Hitler did. It's what, it's, it, frankly, it's what Huey Long did. I mean, you know, it's, this is what populist politicians do. And, you know, for, well, for good I, or I evil. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't consider, you know, the GOP is using populist rhetoric, 
but it's still nationalism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, populism and nationalism are almost always intertwined. It's and, and there are toxic versions of nationalism and there are more relatively non-toxic versions of nationalism. So, you know, it's 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 a tough one. Lynn, I got to move along. Thank you for the call. Ron in Houston, Texas. Hey, Ron, what's on your mind today? How you doing? I'm glad to finally get to talk to you, Mr. Thanks, Hartman. Uh, basically, I'm just going to build up on, uh, I would like to put a face on it. You may not totally agree, but the, the real source of the problem for the party, the Democratic Party in particular, is that there's a real divide in the leadership versus what the base looks like and what their priority to us at this point. You keep on saying your liberalism and everything else, but it all harks back to the generation that the, the leadership comes from and the whole how they had to do things in the Reagan era yeah. versus what the AOCs and everybody is. That's what it, we need a real purging of the leadership. And I really believe it may happen for better or worse. Otherwise, regardless of who takes Congress, once Pelosi, Schumer's, and them are gone. What do you think about that? I think you you make a very important point, Ron, and I and I agree that you know basically the boomer generation was the generation when the shift to neoliberalism happened in the 1980s. It was when the boomers you know were really achieving kind of maximum power, and and uh, you know this this is kind of imprinted on them. And I think that you know Terry McAuliffe was a great example of that. You know, and and the 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 lesson that they the Democrats the the, the neoliberal Democrats got out of that was, uh, hey, you know, the Republicans are taking money from big corporations and billionaires. We need to too, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. and and I, that message just doesn't fly with Democratic voters anymore. Democratic voters want somebody no, who is who is independent, who's their own person, and who is going to do the people's work rather than you know the work of General Electric or General Motors. And, and exactly, uh, yeah. And, yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, that's the, the so-called, they call them moderates, but really, again, they're conservatives. Basically. Well, or they're, like, or they're in the bag with, with corporate interests and big money. I mean, let's just be okay. very, very specific about it. But yeah, yeah I, agree, corporate, I agree with you. you. Call them corporate, okay, call them corrupted. They're compromised Democrats. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's just call them that, because it's, it's either or, or both, really, in my mind, when, you, you know, you're conservative or compromised. And, and they're going to get purged out of the party, Ron, I'm telling you. You know, people, yeah, people, people you know say, what? whoa, Tom, you're talking about purging the Democratic Party. It already happened in the GOP. It's happened over the last six exactly. years in the GOP. There are no exactly. neoliberals left in the Republican Party outside of maybe no, Mitt Romney. No, and he's an outlier because problem. he's from Utah. And and the same exactly. thing is going to happen to the Democratic Party. And Democrats who are not paying attention to this need to look out. Yeah, but here's the key. Here's the key. If you were talking about in general, that's, a, that's pushed up to a bigger picture about democracy itself and, and, and the stake for democracy. As far as I'm concerned, it needs to happen sooner than later. Otherwise, we're screwed. I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's... It, it needs to be the great purging because we're really at the heart of it. Whether you talk about, and it's been a really part of the plan for the right wing and the corporate, the corporations that align with them for decades, where where they bought the Republican Party and they bought just enough of the Democratic Party off just to create division. Yeah. Well, and and this is the situation. The the Republican Party figured this out with Donald Trump. They figured it out in 2015 in the primaries. During those primaries, Donald Trump was saying all this wild stuff about how he was going to raise taxes on rich people and he was going to end free Mm -hmm. trade policy and bring jobs back home and he was going to stop immigration into the United States and all these, you know, the first two are progressive positions. The third, I think you could argue, is a nationalist populist position. 
although he put a heavy racial yeah. tint to it. Um, but you yeah. know, bottom line is the Republican Party saw the fact that this outside former Democrat, he, Trump had been registered as a Democrat until a year before he ran for the presidency. This outsider foreign Democrat came in and blew up neoliberalism, the whole, the whole you know, Reagan's mm -hmm. whole policy, and it worked. Exactly. And at that point, the yeah, whole Republican yeah. Party said, "Okay, we're going to die on this hill. We're we're going to we're we're going for fascist populism." And and the Democratic Party was still sitting around going, "Well, gee, maybe we could you know, we can kill still take money from the insurance industry and and the big banks and you know everything will be good. Don't worry, we can just you know carpet bomb our way out of it with advertising. And uh, it ain't going to work, Ron. Thank you. It ain't going to work." Democrats need to get on, you know, wake up and get with the program. And they are, frankly. It's the Tom Hartman program, fair and only very slightly unbalanced. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Where the Build Back Better bill stands. Now that uh, Cinema and Mansion, flush with lobbyist cash, as I mentioned yesterday, Mansion and Cinema are the uh, top two recipients of lobbyist money now in the entire United States Senate. Both are taking, this is a quote from uh, a piece over on. Uh, uh, dataforprogress.org. Both are taking in lobbyist contributions at more than three times the rate of the average senator. Cinema and Mansion's obstruction of the Biden agenda is being rewarded by lobbyists seeking to influence their legislative priorities. Cory Bush, as I mentioned in the last hour, is saying no. 
She, the uh, congresswoman and member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus from Missouri, saying, uh, you know, we are not, we are not happy with this, the, these corporate Democrats. She says, Joe Manchin does not dictate, not get to dictate the future. Well, it's looking like he does and that he will and that he, can, he will continue to. As will Kirsten Cinema, and this, you know, it, it, I think we have to prepare ourselves for this possibility that the right-wing billionaires, the Koch network and, and you know, the other various right-wing billionaires out there and the pharmaceutical industry and the health insurance industry, which doesn't want seniors to have dental and eyeglasses from Medicare because they, that's the, the big thing that they advertise with their Medicare Advantage plans on TV, have gotten to the mansion and cinema. And now that uh, politicians can have leadership super PACs where they can basically take all this money in while they're in office and then after they leave office they can basically I, they got to jump through a few hoops, but it's not particularly difficult to convert it to their own use. So Cinema and Mansion are out there, you know, among others, raking in millions and millions of dollars that is simply going to end up in their own bank accounts over the next couple of years. This, you know, this, this is, by the way, this was 100% created by the Supreme Court. And when was the last time you heard the media mention that? This, I think, of all the crimes the media commits, of all the errors it makes, but of all the, the, the crimes against democracy that the media in the United States commits, the largest one is being ahistoric, non-historic, not putting things in historical context, not telling people how things started, how they got this way, why, you know, why it is that things are like this. Well, uh, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are saying no. Why? Well, they're saying no because they're getting big bucks from people who will be hurt by these. Well, why are they getting big bucks from people who will be hurt by these? Specifically, you know, big pharma, big insurance, big oil, big coal. Why are they getting money from those people? Because the Supreme Court struck down laws passed by Congress, by both Democrats and Republicans in Congress in 1974, 1975, and early 1976, in the wake of the Nixon scandals, Congress passed a whole series of laws providing for federal funding of elections and making it illegal for corporations and billionaires and foreigners to buy our elections. And the Supreme Court blew it all up with Citizens United in 2010 in particular. And as a result, today, if you want to be a politician in America, you have two choices. You can serve the people, but that means you have to turn to those same people and ask for their financial support. And that's why you're getting emails in your inbox on a regular basis from politicians that you have supported in the past saying, please send me 10 bucks. It's why I get eight. E I got eight emails yesterday from Donald Trump asking for money. Eight of them. Some days I get ten. Some days I only get six. He is on a tear right now. 
But the politicians that you support, and he's raised hundreds of millions of dollars, and it's, it's all going into his leadership pack, which means it's all going into his pocket. But the politicians that you support, this is the way we put the country back together, is we have to support the politicians, because the other option that's available to every politician in America is to say, screw the people, like Kurt Schrader did here in Oregon. We've got a Democratic congressman here who was the no vote that shut down Medicare drug price negotiations in his committee in the House of Representatives. Now, another committee passed it, so thank God it got through. Although, you know, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema took it out in the Senate, but, um, you know, he, he was like, no. Why? Well, because he's getting money from the pharmaceutical industry. His dad was a senior executive in one of the big pharma companies. This is, so you've got politicians who, you know, uh, remember the old song, which side are you on, boy, which side are you on? Well, that's where we're at. Politicians are having to choose. Are they going to take money from billionaires and big corporations? It's a fairly reliable source of money. It's very tempting. And by the way, it doesn't end when you leave office. Paul Ryan's making millions of dollars a year now, having been Speaker of the House and having given the billionaires what they want. They will feather the, you know, they will provide you with a nice, well-feathered nest when you leave. So politicians are deciding, which am I going to do? Am I going to serve the people and then be reduced to having to beg the people for money in order to serve them? Or am I going to serve big corporations and the billionaire class? And we know the decision the Republican Party has made, 100% of the Republican Party. Name, you know, please, anybody who can call, name one Republican who's not in the pocket of billionaires or, or corporations. I literally cannot think of one. There were times in the past when there were Republicans who were not totally in the pocket of these, of these groups. They're gone. They've been purged of the party. And on the Democratic side, I can, you know, I can name you uh, at least a dozen members of the House and certainly two members of the Senate who fall into this category of being in the pocket. But to bring it back to the media, why does the media never point this out? Why don't they ever say, because of Citizens United, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are fighting against the Build Back Better bill because big corporations are giving them piles of money. Why don't they ever say that? Why don't they ever point out that, the, that it's, it was the United States Supreme Court that said corporations are persons and therefore entitled to First Amendment protections for free speech and that, and that money is now free speech? Something that no, no law, no Congress, no president, no elected politician in the history of America had ever said before five conservatives on the U.S. Supreme Court said it in Citizens United. And by the way, it's not just the Supreme Court, it's the, it's the conservatives on the court who did this, not the entire court. They did it over the loud screaming objections. Read Justice Stevens's objections to Citizens United. It, 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 it nearly catches the, the paper on fire. He was so pissed off. But our media just doesn't want to talk about it. Is it because they're lazy? Is it because they think Americans are stupid? Is it because they don't want to out the game? You know, one of the things that got Donald Trump elected was saying, oh, the elections are rigged, the system is rigged. 
I know because I was one of the guys who rigged it. Back in the day, I used to give money to politicians, and when I needed them, I'd call them and they'd show up. He said that in September of 2015 in a debate with a bunch of Republicans, and he waved at all the Republicans on the platform and said, you know, they're all in the pocket of these people. I'm not taking money from anybody. I'm not in anybody's pocket. And all over America, Republicans said, whoa, I'm voting for this guy. Because Republicans are just as dis disgusted as Democrats when they discover that their politicians are in the pocket of somebody else rather than serving the people. So where the Build Back Better stand, bill stands now? We have $400 billion for child care and preschool, $150 billion for home care, child tax credits and earned income tax credits, $200 billion, clean energy and climate investments, $555 billion, although Manchin says he wants to see that go, apparently. ACA credits, $130 billion. Medicare hearing assistance, notice no more vision and dental, $35 billion. Housing, $150 billion. Higher ed and workforce training, $40 billion. Equity and other investments, $90 billion. And $100 billion to improve our immigration system. What is gone? What has been stripped out of it? Paid family leave due to opposition from Joe Manchin. Free community college, due to opposition from Joe Manchin. Dental and vision, due to opposition from Joe Manchin. Lower prescription drug prices, due to opposition from Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. And of course, now the tax on billionaires, thanks to both of them. When is the media gonna start telling what's going on to the American people? When are Americans going to start demanding that their media tell the truth about what's going on to the American people? Inquiring minds want to know. So there's a lot on the table here. Stick around. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Yeah, as Ted Kennedy said, when does the greed stop? I'll play that clip for you on the other side. We'll be right back. Bob in Farnham, Virginia. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. There certainly is a lot on the table. Something that came to mind uh, the other day uh, on the 31st, there was a New York Times article about Saudi investment conference and how Mnuchin was there and I think Kushner was there. Meanwhile, the rest of the world are, are at the G20 trying to figure out what to do about our climate. And... I think one aspect of climate that is I've never seen mentioned anywhere, it's what's happening underneath us. With the frequency of volcanic eruptions, recent time, uh, earthquakes all over the place, it's important to remember that at the center of this planet is a molten core with the power of the sun or greater. And the incredible extraction rate of fuel, of oil and water. Those are substances which cannot be compressed. So they all add to the structural integrity of this little skeleton called the earth. Called the crust of the earth, I yeah. think we're in. I think we're in for a rude awakening. We see what's happening on the surface and 
You know, I feel like I'm in the back seat of a car while the driver and the friends are speeding toward a cliff and arguing about what's on the radio. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, you can't deny what's happening on the surface. Floods in China. I mean, it's just everywhere. Yeah. But what's happening underneath, you don't see talked about either. And as, as you just mentioned with the media, I think the media is doing a good job, mainstream media, because two weeks ago when 23 species were declared officially extinct, they didn't report that, but they did tell us about Brittany's conservatorship. So don't discredit them completely. Well, yeah, I guess the important stuff is really being covered. It's, you know, we need oh, to. Oh, my goodness. We need to it's we need so to worry scary. about poor Brittany. I you know it's it's a, it's a tragedy. It's, but uh, did you ever think about what's happening uh, regarding the the power inside the planet and how we're affecting the skeleton? I have often, Bob. I mean, you know, I, Louise and I have been to Iceland many times uh, over the last. Fifty years, <laughs> and and uh, you know the yeah, entire country is powered by simply drilling holes down into the, you know the volcanoes uh, are close enough, right? Uh, the, the 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 magma is nearby. They drill holes down there and and pump down water. It turns to steam. The steam comes up. It heats the cities. Wow. It runs the power plants. It does everything. And of course, you know the the hot water is within a few hundred feet of the surface in Iceland. But frankly, I think. You know, even if it's, uh, you know, a mile down here, uh, you know, that might be worth drilling for. I, I'm no expert on geothermal energy, but, uh, but uh, you know, you would think that in some places it's something that we should consider exploiting. Um, yeah, I think every time, every time we go through a mountain range and, and to build a tunnel, you know, and tear down, mm -hmm. we're taking a, it's like an I-beam from a building. You know, yeah. every time we I don't do know about the like tunnels, that, but, I, but I'm with you on the aquifers and the giant pools oh. of oil. These are these are creating essentially giant underwater caves, and and that can't be structurally a good thing, particularly in places nope. that are earthquake prone. Bob, thank you for the call. Okay, welcome back. I'm going to take your calls in just a second, but first. A flash to the past. This was when uh, Ted Kennedy went on the floor of the Senate. They were trying to raise the minimum wage from five bucks, as I recall, five fifteen or whatever it was. And uh, this is what he had to say: Two hundred and forty billion dollars in tax breaks for corporations, thirty-six billion dollars in tax breaks for small businesses. Increase in productivity, 42% over the last 10 years. But do you think there's any increase in the minimum wage? No. What is the price? We ask the other side. What is the price that you want from these working men and women? What cost? How much more do we have to give to the private sector and the business? How many billion dollars more are you asking? Are you requiring? When does the greed stop? Mr. Manchin, Ms. Cinema, when does the greed stop? It's a serious question. Maestro in Washington, D.C. Hey, Maestro, what's up? Hello, Tom. First time caller. Love your show, man, and thanks for everything you do. Thank you. Uh, you know, it has been so hard just to stay encouraged, you know, throughout this whole fiasco. I, you know, first of all, I want to say right out of the gate that 
the Trump administration and all of its subsidiaries and byproducts have been an abomination to this republic. I'm going to say that and get that, get that right out the gate. But I remember after Ossoff and Warnock made it a, a 50-50 uh, uh, Senate, I remember an article, I don't remember where I read it, I don't remember, but it said, it was just a headline, it says, Joe Manchin is now the most powerful man in Washington. And I remember reading that header, and I didn't think a whole lot of it uh, at the time. I knew that he had some tendencies and, you know, to do some of the things that he's doing right now. That he, I always felt like he just was not a, a real team player. Uh, but I never imagined it would be this bad. I never imagined that he would just uh, do what he's doing to just torpedo everything uh, that Joe Biden is trying to do. I think overall there's just this conspiracy to destroy President Biden. Well, my, uh, Maestro, and, never, uh, never <laughs> underestimate a coal baron from West Virginia. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I can't get past the fact, uh, Tom, yeah, you know, we're talking about reconciliation and we're talking about the Build Back Better and we're talking about all these things. But the thing that keeps hovering over top of my head that I can't get past is that Joe Biden and others like him refuse to make any adjustment to the filibuster to even protect voting rights. I can't get I can't get past that. Yeah. You know, they, they will not protect our, and voting rights. Fair and free elections are constitutional. And the now Lisa Murkowski, you know, the, the Republican senator. Well, she's an independent now, but, yeah. she, you know, the Republican senator from well, Alaska has come out and said, hey, you know, I'll, I'll vote to break the filibuster for voting rights. It's like you can't get you can't get Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema to do it, but you've got Lisa Murkowski for God's sake. Oh my God, Tom! This 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 is so infuriating. Yeah. Because you're right. The Republicans have nothing. They have no agenda. They have no purpose. They have no heart. They got no soul. All they have is their hatred and their racism, and that's what they're going to run. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to let you go. I don't want to take up too much of your time. If we don't do something to protect these voting rights. If the Republicans, if they, if they get back in power, they will never give it up. Oh, I agree. I agree. It'll be the they end of the republic. Never get, and we, we're going to be in a political wasteland, brother. Yeah, I'm completely with you. Uh, but that doesn't thank mean we don't so stop much, fighting, Maestro. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We will continue to fight. Maestro, right, thank you for the call. When does the greed stop? When does the media start telling the actual historical context of what the hell is going on right now? Sometimes it's useful to let our past illuminate our future. Uh, just wanted to share a couple more, a couple of other clips here with you, just, just to, to show you what we've lost. The first is from FDR. The second will be from Dwight Eisenhower. So here is Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, the first about taxes. I got a couple of little clips here I want to share with you, and then I'm going to pick up your phone calls. This is FDR on taxes. On the one hand, there has been a vast majority of citizens who believe that the benefits of democracy should be extended and who are willing to pay their fair share to extend them. And on the other hand, there has been a small but powerful group which has fought the extension of these benefits because they did not want to pay a fair share of their cost. There you go. I mean, he is describing Manchin and Cinema and the entire Republican Party right there, right now. And, you know, and it really pissed those people off, by the way, when he called them out. 
when he called out the, you know, his version of the billionaire class back in the day? Never before in all our history have these forces been so united against one candidate as they stand today. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. Now that's when Democrats used to talk like Democrats, right? This, this is when Democrats really used to talk like Democrats. Now let's revisit when Republicans used to talk like Republicans. This is the Republican president of the United States, Dwight David Eisenhower. His vice president was Richard Nixon. And he's talking about what it actually costs the United States to maintain, what would you call it, our military industrial complex, his phrase? Every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies, in the final sense, a theft. A theft. From those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. A theft. This world in arms is not spending money alone. It is spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of its scientists, the hopes of its children. The cost of one modern heavy bomber is this, a modern brick school in more than 30 cities. It is two electric power plants, each serving a town of 60,000 population. It is two fine, fully equipped hospitals. It is some 50 miles of concrete pavement. We pay for a single fighter plane with a half million bushels of wheat. We pay for a single destroyer with new homes that could have housed more than 8,000 people. This is not a way of life at all, in any true sense. Under the cloud of threatening war, it is humanity hanging from a cross of iron. Humanity hanging from a cross of iron. Now, you, both of those speeches came from a time when politicians believed that serving the American people was a noble cause in both parties. How far we've fallen, huh? Anyhow, picking up your phone calls here. Let's see here. Randy in Miami. Hey, Randy, what's on your mind today? Rudy, okay. Oh, Rudy, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what's up, Rudy? My apologies. I, I, can, I, I can hear that, man. Listen, I just wanted to confirm what you're saying about conservative radio stations and here in Miami and, and in uh, Hialeah, where I work. Not only are there conservative radio stations, there's also conservative TV. I see my father-in-law sitting around listening to her stuff, and I say, Dad, they're lying to you. Cubans. By the way, I'm Cuban. Here in Miami. Are you talking about Spanish here. language media, radio and TV? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Oh yeah. They're 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 big here. But again, it's not only radio. It's TV too. Whoa. I hear there they go. Cubans here are still blaming the Kennedys for the Bay of Pigs. Well, of course. So it goes that way. I say, come on, that's over 50 years ago. Yeah. Are you crazy? He said. And I say, how come you didn't buy? You didn't vote for Biden? He goes, no, he's communist. He's socialist. I say, are you kidding me? Biden was a president, vice president for eight years with uh, Obama. When did you ever hear? You have to remember the first thing that Castro did in Cuba. 
It took took properties away from the rich people. They did it to my grandfather. He was not rich, but they did it to him and gave it to the poor. So I asked him, when did you ever hear here in America taking properties from rich people and giving it to the poor? I said, come on, man. You know, you got to do your homework here. Yeah. You know, it's just not right. And anyway, and I, I said, define uh, uh, being a communist to me. And they don't, they just don't know. It's all about identity politics. Yeah. We're in big trouble here, man. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. No, it's not. So all I do, all I can do, by the way, all I can do is say, hey, man, there's this guy named Todd Hartman on Free Speech TV. You got to listen to him, man. He might help you. Yeah. <laughs> I've well, been thank here you, since Rudy. 1971 from Cuba, and I know what I'm talking about, and especially the older people. Yeah. The new young crowd, they're trying to, they're going every which way, but it's not easy. It's yeah. really difficult. Yeah, and there's big yeah. money behind this right-wing Spanish-language media. There's big money behind oh, yes. it. And, uh, oh, yes. you know, so it's, it's, it's crazy. Rudy, thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing that story with us and, and, and that insight. I, I, I truly appreciate it. AJ in Los Angeles. Hey, AJ, what's on your mind today? Hey, AJ, it's me. Hey, how you doing? Listen, Good. I just want to say uh, it's time for Democrats to take the gloves off. It's time for them to step up and do the same thing that the opposite party is doing. Imagine if that was Trump in office. And they had someone who was like a Joe Manchin. Trump would eat that man alive. Yep. It's time. It's time for them to step up and not allow for this to happen. They need to act like our lives depend on it because actually a lot of people's lives are dependent on this. Yep. And I'm sick of it. It's very frustrating. And I really wish that a progressive would get up there and counter what Joe Biden. I mean, uh, what Joe Manchin said yesterday. That was absolutely ridiculous. I want to see a progressive get up there and say, "No, you're holding up the party." You're holding up the agenda. Well, that's what Cori Bush you know, did. But, you know, she's she's not Joe Manchin. She's not like the decider. She's a, you know, a black woman from who's representing Missouri. And, and so it got almost no press coverage whatsoever when Cori Bush pushed back on Joe Manchin. Yeah, it's time to put it's time to put a spotlight on the corporate money that's behind these people. And the yeah. media doesn't talk about that. And yeah. it's really time for Chuck Schumer Pelosi or somebody to do something. They're, they're just, they're, I, I'm a Democrat, but I just feel like they're so freaking weak. Yeah. And it just drives me nuts. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, AJ, thank I hope you. Things get better, though. Hey, hey, I'm things only things will get better. One day. You know, there's a whole generation coming up who have figured out what's going on, and they're looking at climate change, and they're looking at the games that people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema are playing, and they're saying, we're friggin' over it. You know, we are sick and tired of this. This You're talking about our future here and our children's future. And, uh, you know, the party's going to end. You know, yeah. So I, I, short term, we may have some crises. I, long term, I'm actually optimistic, but uh, it's a tough time right now. J AJ, thank you very much for the call. Spot on. James in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, James, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, it's an honor to talk to you. It's my first time calling. Thank um, you. Back at uh, you. I think. Last, last two callers kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but uh, real quick, every party I've ever been to, if I misbehaved, I would be asked to leave. My question to you is, is there any way to escort these people out of the Democratic Party? Yeah, it's called a primary election. And, yeah, I mean, and this, uh, this is why I think that Kirsten Sinema is probably going to become a Republican sometime in the next couple of years, um, hopefully mm -hmm. later rather than sooner. But, you know, we'll see. I mean... I retweeted an article that was headlined F, you know, Joe Manchin, and I, you know, I really debated with myself, do I do this or not? Because 
you know, I want him to stay in the Democratic Party, but I want him also to realize how furious Democrats are with him and that if he's going to stay in the party, he needs to, he, you know, he needs to do what's best for the country, not just what's best for multimillionaire coal barons and their and their multimillionaire pharmaceutical, in, you know, executive daughters. You know, on the other hand, you know, if he becomes a Republican, he'll do real damage to this country. Not that he's, you know, right now he's just preventing progress. But, you know, we've got to mobilize people of goodwill across this country. The only way to beat back what's going on with these Republicans and with these conservative Democrats is by electing genuine Democrats. And that means getting involved. It means getting involved in the party. It means, you know, uh, supporting the organizations and the candidates who are doing the right thing. It means identifying candidates and getting them out there. It means, you know, all, just right across the board, James, we've got a hell of a lot of work to do and we need to get, get to it. And, you know, obviously part of it is calling these folks out, but the biggest part of it is preparing for the next election. James, I got to run, but thank you for the call. Spot on. It's the Tom Hartman program helping you win the water cooler wars when there's a water cooler. <laughs> preparing you for Crazy Uncle Ralph at the next Thanksgiving. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Janet, Mount Vernon, Washington. Hey, Janet, what's on your mind today? Well, Tom, I, who is speaking up for Medicare, for regular Medicare? I, too, see these ads all day long, and my husband and I both have regular Medicare, and it took a lot of research to understand the difference. And it was through listening to you and through listening to Alex Clausen that we switched over from an Advantage plan to regular Medicare, that you really have to educate yourself, and no one is speaking out for regular Medicare. And I, I worry that that's how, you know, if 40 to 40, if, if it gets to critical mass, I'm afraid that if they do Medicare for all, it'll be Medicare Advantage for all. My husband had that's a, their a plan. medical. 
Well, my husband had a medical emergency uh, a long time ago last winter, and I took him to the emergency room. He had to be admitted overnight. Luckily, it turned out to be, you know, a false alarm, but we did not know that. We thought he was having a stroke. And um, we got the bill, and it was $26,000 for his overnight stay. Wow. Uh, Medicare, when it was all said and done, they paid about $2,600. Um, we paid our deductible because we're in regular Medicare. If we were on an Advantage plan, we could have been stuck with, I don't know, hundreds if not thousands. thousands you could have been stuck with the entire bill if, you, if the it, ER exactly. you went to was out of network. Yes, and there are people that have Medicare Advantage. And all you hear on these ads is free, free, free. And also on YouTube, all you hear is free, free, free. Like hearing aids. Hearing aid, you can go to Costco and get a, excellent hearing aids for less than $2,000. I've heard of people spending $10,000 on hearing aids. Yeah, and you do not have to be a member of Costco. So, you know, to pay, I think my husband's were, I know they were less than 2000 Yeah, no, there's so, companies selling them now for, you know, three, four, five hundred bucks. Uh, in fact, one no of them one had advertised speaking, with us for a while. But uh, no one is speaking out for regular Medicare. And I agree. That is I, I'm guessing the vast majority of elected politicians of probably both parties don't understand the distinction. Uh, you know, they don't realize that Medicare Advantage is, is not actually Medicare. It's private health insurance with, exactly. you know, that, that, ha, that has been allowed by law to call itself Medicare, but it's not Medicare. It's just plain old private insurance with the same, you know, uh, they're going to screw you kind of strategy that the private insurance companies have been foisting on us our whole entire lives. And we need, I agree with the caller, we need more Democratic politicians speaking out loudly about this, particularly now as the, as the insurance industry is spending hundreds of millions of dollars, and we can all see it on television every single day, um, promoting these uh, scam Medicare Advantage plans uh, you know, over real Medicare. I'm completely with you. Janet, I need to move on, but thank you. One, one, one last thing. Please yeah. have Thomas Frank on Conversations with Great Minds. He talks about populism, and the American public needs to understand Donald Trump was not a populist. He was a fraud. You're absolutely right. And, Bernie, and, Sanders, and Thomas, Bernie Sanders is a populist. Yes, absolutely. And Thomas has a new book out about populism. I just got it yes. yesterday, and I haven't read it yet. Yes. But as soon as I read it, I'm going to invite him back on the program. That'll probably be in the please, next week or so. Please do. Okay. Thank absolutely. you, Janet. Good talking to you. Angela in Bowie, Maryland. Hey, Angela, what's on your mind today? Hey, good afternoon, Tom. And it's it's Bowie. And I, uh, Bowie, you Bowie. know what I'm saying. Okay. Bowie. And I just want to comment initially about the local election, I'll say Virginia, because we're right here in Maryland, and how I think that impacts the nation overall. I, I will say first that... Um, you know, I thought it was interesting that Terry was trying to reach out to black communities. I'm a black woman here, and I, I'll, I will just say it. I tell you, not only do I feel insulted sometimes, but I will tell you, for, and I know I'm not the only one, black people feel tired of trying to save America from itself. Yeah. You know, we want to reach out to black communities to help get Democrats in office. And, you know, whether you're risking life and limb and health, you do that. You help deliver someone like Joe Biden and you know, you, you deliver a 50-50 Senate only to turn around and say, okay, Democratic Party, what are you delivering to people of color in this country? And we still don't have, you know, SR1 or the Voting Rights Act, the John Lewis Protection Act, the George Floyd Police Reform Act. But then you want to say, oh, we want more black voters to the, you know, to help vote, to help save this country. And I will tell you, um, Tom, people are tired. 
So we're out it. here, we're fighting, and, and then the thing that I also find most troubling is that they call black voters activists. I mean, activists. Activists get something. Black folks ain't getting nothing right now. And I think it's really going to boil down to where the white America wants to live up to the promise of what America is supposed to be, you know, uh, a multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multicultural uh, nation, or do we want to become an apartheid country? Because that's what we're saying. In all these Republican states that want to change voting, they want to repress uh, voting, want to qualify voting. Why is it that only people of color's vote has to be qualified? No one else's. Just think about that. And I, and I just put that out there. Everybody else's vote gets the count except people of color. Not Native Americans, black people, all our, our votes have to be qualified. So you got all these Republican legislatures deciding, you know, whether your vote is going to count or not. And the Democratic Party over here holding hands singing Kumbaya. And, you know, we just need to, to try to out organize our way to keep Democrats into office. And then the question comes from the black community. Why? Right. What are you delivering? Yeah. And nobody's feeling anything that Joe Biden is delivering. And unfortunately, because of that, I think is why you had the turnout that we did, and I'll bring it back to Virginia. So many of us were saying that Terry McAuliffe was in trouble last month, and we knew it. Mm-hmm. You could see it. And and the mere fact that, and it's, you know, I won't go too far off because I know you have other callers, but I'll just say, what does that say about Virginia where people, they came down to this whole CRT thing? What does it say about a country that doesn't want to know its history and make sure its its lineage knows its history. What does that say about us? That either we're going to be a nation that delivers or we're going to be an apartheid country. Yeah. And we see how well that worked out for South Africa. Exactly. So that's all I wanted to say, Tom. Love the show. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. I am completely with you. And, and uh, you know, for black people, okay, Democratic Party, what did you do for me? For progressives who are, you know, pushing for free college and, and health care for everybody, uh, what did you do for us? The, the Democratic Party. Hang on just a second. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Angela, if the Democratic Party doesn't start taking names and kicking ass soon, it's going to be a thing of the past, and that will be a very, very bad thing for America. Angela, thank you. Thank you so much. John in Minneapolis watching us on free speech. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Yeah, uh, actually, I think Angela really raised a very important point. And, you know, if we don't secure the vote, the Democratic Party will go away. And I am afraid that we actually will have a fascist state or we'll have a one-party state like Brazil or some country in South America where the other party is never elected. And I don't get why they don't. Yeah. And I don't understand why people aren't, you know, really, uh, you know, messaging that uh, to the American people. That should be before even, uh, you know, the reconciliation bill and the other one point seven five trillion bill. Securing the vote secures the Democratic Party or secures democracy as we know it. And, you know, I I, I don't want to take too much time because other people, uh, you know, probably have other points. But 
that I, I just don't get that. And neoliberalism, it should have died after uh, the meltdown of the economy in 2009. Uh, yeah. It doesn't serve the entire nation. It doesn't serve the working class, the middle class. And we can't do anything about substantial problems like global warming or uh, having Medicare for all or drug benefits, uh, all of which we would have if we didn't have such a uh, you know, strong corporate influence in our politics. And neoliberalism, essentially what it does is it makes d democracy itself even redundant. You know, just go home and, and uh, become rich like us, you know. Right. Sort of or just be a con good consumer. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's pathetic. I, I've, <laughs> I've been a progressive and I've been mourning since 1980, you know, after Ronald. I never thought Ronald Reagan would be president of this country. And I didn't think that the Republican Party would turn so far uh, to the right. I mean, I grew up with Nelson Rockefeller and uh, Jacob Javits, you know, I mm. mean, they, they wouldn't and even be able to make a lot of as Democrats. And, yeah. you know, Bernie Sanders, if he was in charge, he would at least message. He's the one that has messaged this whole progressive change. He started it, and many people, you know, now, you know, they know about it and like it, and that's what people want. They want these particular uh, things. They want to secure the vote. They want to have Medicare for all. They want to have all of the uh, kinds of things that, you know, bring dignity to people's lives uh, instead of a few crumbs and a pat on the head, which I think is what we've gotten. And I've been a loyal Democrat. I absolutely agree with you. I don't, a third party is not gonna work in this country the way things are set up. But we're we're being you know undermined by our own uh, forces in our own party, and I'm talking about Mansion and Cinema. And I mean, if I were president, I'd be in West Virginia for a whole month. Yep. Because I know that there are a lot of yeah, there are a lot of people there that don't like Joe Manchin, but they're they're you know they're a victim population, and uh, you know you you can't. Uh, you know, organize your way out of it. I absolutely agree with Angela. It's like, well, you know, here, why don't you just do more? Right. Do more and more and more. It, they need structural change. Yes. We need to support people of color, not not make them work even that much harder. It's, it's, they've already done a lot of work here in the country. Yeah, I'm with you. John, well said. Thank you. Great rant, as, as usual. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.